0: Chapter 4, verse 23, be on the screen behind me. And if you're following in the Church Bibles, it's on page nine six. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up against the rulers and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And this is God's word. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. To God, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we would emulate the early church family and as we've heard your word read, we would raise our voices together in prayer and ask that you will speak in the voice that wakes the dead, in the voice that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ, in the voice that brings comfort and joy and healing, and salvation, and hope to broken hearts this day. For Jesus' sake. Amen. This has been our text for 2019. But my question is, and I ask this question myself, how has this text shaped and transformed me in 2019? How has this text-shaped and transformed us as a church family in 2019. We preached on this on the first Sunday of 2019, and I want to bookend the year by preaching on it again. It won't be the same sermon. I have done a separate preparation for this. It was tempting, but no, you'd have remembered. You have good memories. Uh, So this is a new sermon, honestly, but we'll see how the Lord leads us. Come people of the risen King who delights to bring in praise, come all and tune your hearts to pray to the morning star of grace. From the shifting shadows of the earth we will lift our cries to him where steady arms of mercy reach to gather children in. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let everyone pray. One heart, one voice. O Church of Christ, let's pray. As we look back over 2019, I wonder how you would sum up the year. I did watch uh, Queen Elizabeth's address to the nation and she spoke about something of a bumpy year for herself and her family. I think for many of us, 2019 has been, to say the least, a bumpy year. I know for some of you, 2019 has been literally a life-changing year. You've heard news, you've had diagnosis, they've changed your life and changed the lives of your loved ones forever. Sadly for some of us, 2019 has been a year when we've, our love for the Lord Jesus and his people have grown somewhat cold. People who used to come and regularly worship with us do so no more because their love has grown cold. For some of us in 2019, it has literally been the year of our new birth. Some of you have got two birthdays where you were physically born and when you were born again in 2019, we saw people get baptized who came to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ because 2019 was the year that God had written into the fabric of his world before the creation that you would be born again in 2019. For some of you, 2019 has been a year of new life. But I assume, I guess, my reading of the situation is this as a church, for most of us, 2019 has been a year when we have learned a little bit more about prayer, just a little bit more about prayer. And therefore, we are, I do believe, becoming, what I see in this text, becoming increasingly instinctively, joyfully dependent on our Sovereign Lord. I think that's what comes out of the text, and I think I see that more and more in the life of our church. We are becoming increasingly, instinctively, dependently, joyfully dependent upon our sovereign Lord. My aim this morning is to walk through this verse, just this verse, and interweave the experiences of our first century church family with our 21st century church family, because the people we read of in Acts chapter 4 are our church family. They just happen to be in a different location <laughs> right now, but they're still our church family. And therefore, in many ways, their experiences and our experiences very closely map to one another, even though we're separated culturally, geographically, a 2,000 years difference between us. But I do think there's a, we, it, it's a legitimate way to expound this text, particularly at this service, to interweave their experiences with ours so that we can learn, I believe, and see how much we have been shaped by God's Word in 2019. So let's walk through the text together. When they heard this. The previous verse gives the context. Twenty Acts 4.23 on their release Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. For our first century church family they had heard how they were beginning to experience rising opposition to the gospel which in particular at this instance was aimed at two of Jesus' apostles Peter and John. And The rising opposition to the gospel which Jesus himself told us about before he returned to glory is the reality in which we are called to serve him. And for our 21st century church family across the world we continue to experience a rising tide of opposition to the gospel and that opposition takes many forms But I would say for us in the United Kingdom, and for us uh, even in this church here, we are beginning to experience rising opposition to the gospel, particularly when the claims of Christ stand 180 degrees opposed to the current value systems of our culture. We're thinking about this more at the conference we're running on the 25th of January where we're looking at how we can have confidence in the gospel as we face an increasingly um, hostile agenda being pushed by uh, the LGBTQ uh, movement. Three things need to happen to change a culture. When that which was celebrated is now condemned, marriage between one man and one woman, for life in a covenant relationship, when that which was once celebrated is now condemned. Number two, when that which was condemned is now celebrated. And number three, when those who refuse to celebrate are condemned. And we see a rising tide of opposition in our nation against us as Bible believing Christians and the value systems, the changing value systems of our culture. So there's a very strong correlation between the rising opposition to the gospel in th- that our first century church family experienced and our 21st century church family is experiencing. When they heard this, what exactly was it they heard? Well, they heard how... Uh, what the chief priests and elders had said to them, that they must not speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. But what exactly did they hear? Well, of course they heard that, but they also heard that there was rising opposition to the gospel. Of course they heard that, but they also heard, and we see that in their prayer, they heard how God in his sovereign grace and mercy and purpose... And at times, mysterious providence was at work. They say that in the prayer, don't they? With regard to Herod and Pontius Pilate, look at verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel again in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. This is key, verse 28. They did, They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. This is no surprise to God. In actual fact, the opposition to the gospel is God's ordained means of promoting the gospel. God uses the persecution of the church to promote the gospel. It's not a cakewalk. It's not an easy ride home. They heard how God was using opposition to the gospel, to the church. And they wove that in their thinking into God's sovereign and at times mysterious providence. And how God's mysterious providence affected them personally and it does, does it not. When God does things that we don't expect and don't like in our culture, in our community, in our own lives, in our own families, he's still God and he's still good, and he's still wise, and he's still loving, But sometimes it feels otherwise. When they heard this, when they heard this, this means, does it not, that the church was interested to hear what God was doing to and through each other's lives. They were very concerned and interested to hear what was happening to each and each each Christian in the early 20, in the early church mattered and what God was doing in each of their lives mattered to the whole church when they heard this. When they heard this it means that the church was a safe place to share their hearts. Wasn't it? It was a safe place To be real and to be honest. How often do I come to church with my churchy face on? (laughs) And you ask me how I'm feeling. And sometimes that is the hardest question to answer. So I trot out the normal evangelical response. Fine. When they heard this. I, I do praise God. Genuinely, I do praise God that we have grown in this area of sharing our hearts. I praise God that many of us find this church a safe place to share our tears and our fears, our hearts of how God's sovereign, oftentimes mysterious, sometimes painful providence is at work in our lives, which directly affects us. All. I would say this: that there are certain-ish instances where confidentiality is utterly vital. There are a number of people who have been—I've been privileged to walk alongside—and we meet in one-to-one contexts. And the rule is always: in those situations of strict confidentiality, what is said in the room, what is heard in the room stays in the room. But there are many areas where we can and do and increasingly share what's going on in our lives. When they heard this, my prayer is that this church will continue to become an increasingly safe place to share and to grow and to pray together. When they heard this. When they heard this, they raised their voices together. Our 1st century church family and increasingly our 21st century church family were instinctively, passionately united over the issue they had heard about. I take that from moving on from when they heard this. Notice what happened. When they heard this, they. There's an instinctiveness as a reflex action to prayer. There were no doubt in the early church, as there is in our church family today, organized prayer meetings. We do have in the church calendar organized prayer meetings, which of course is wise and helpful. So I would urge you to find time at least to come to one of the prayer meetings. We're meeting three times a day, Monday through Friday, Sorry, twice a day, um, lunchtime and evenings, twice a day through Monday through Friday on the 6th to the 10th. So there's opportunities to come to prayer. But the text that we have before us this morning suggests strongly, I would argue, that this was an instinctive reflex action to what they had heard. When they heard this, they raised their voices together. They didn't organize a prayer meeting. They prayed. I'm often challenged when someone phones me up or speaks to me and asks for prayer. How do you you respond when someone shares something of a heartbreak with you and asks for prayer? Will you pray for me in this situation? Sadly, I often have to say, of course I will. I promise I will and I, I hope I remember later on. Or is your response, let's pray now? You've asked for pray because something's burdening your heart. Something's hurting you. Something's troubling you. Let's pray now. Let's pray now. Let's just do it. I, I do, that's why I'm calling this instinctive reflex praying. And I do see this as something of a growth area in the life of the church. But my prayer is, and my plea with you, is that we would strive to continue this and make this church an increasingly safe place to pray together and to be prayed for. They were passionate, not just instinctively, but they were passionately united. They raised their voices together. There was a heart unity that they experienced together. It was their heart attitude. They heard this was the trigger, but their hearts were passionately united. They raised their voices together. When you, the, the phrase raise their voices means that they are lifting up a burden to the Lord together. They've got their hands under this thing and their hearts under this thing, and they're taking it to the Lord in prayer. That's what they're doing, and they're doing it together. What that meant is that the threats to the apostles were threats to them all. It's not just, whoa, hang on a minute, a bit too hot to handle these guys, Peter and John. They've got targets on their back. Let's distance ourselves from those guys who are in the firing line. No, no, no. They actually pulled together and said they raised their voices together. It means for us, does it not, that your pain is our pain. So they raised their voices together. It means, does it not, that your joy is our joy. So they raised their voices together. That flies, does it not, in the face of our hyper-individualistic 21st century culture, where it's all about me. I do see, praise God, some areas of real growth, that one person's pain is all of our pain, and one person's joy is all of our joy we're not individuals we are individuals but we're individuals together in the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood I I tell you this and and thank you for your prayers thank you it's a joy to know that you're praying for Sheryl and myself and thank you for that I mean that genuinely deeply it's a joy to be passionately prayed for it is a real joy to, be pr- to pray for one another. But it's a joy when you hear your church family, and it's an amazing, humbling experience, is it not, for those of you who know that and experience that, to, be, to, be, to overhear your church family pray for you. It's an incredibly precious experience. That's a gift of God. And again, I sense something of that spirit at work in us, that when we do hear of an issue, we do instinctively, passionately together, bring our requests to the Lord over the issues that we hear about. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. That they prayed to God is an example to us. How would you summarise their prayer? When you you read their prayer about the rising opposition they're experiencing. And just let me read part of that prayer to you again. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why? And they quote Psalm 2. they were under threat they were facing rising opposition they were facing God's mysterious providence at work which was creating opposition to their testimony and their witness and the work of the church I don't sense in this prayer any panic this isn't just a shaking in their boots, <coughs> crying out in desperation. And sometimes I've done that. Sometimes I've been so overwhelmed with situations, I literally fall on the floor and cry. Um, and, and, and that's okay. Sometimes that's all you can do. I think Jesus fell to the ground in Gethsemane. Sometimes there are drops of blood praying, if you understand what I mean, like the Gethsemane stuff. And that's right. But in in this instinctive prayer, there seems to be a calmness about them. There seems to be a... Even before they prayed, there's a work of the Spirit going on in them to bring them to a state of peace. Sovereign Lord, they said. Sovereign Lord. That's how they began their prayer. Sovereign Lord. So they prayed. The way they prayed is an example to us. It it shows their instinctive, reflex, passionate, calm dependence on God for everything. Pray without ceasing so they prayed to God how they prayed to God I also believe is a model for us they prayed biblically what do I mean by that if you look at how they prayed and again we'll not spend a lot of time on this I don't want to expound the prayer per se but I just want to draw out a few things for you they prayed biblically to the sovereign Lord Sovereign Lord. Notice how they addressed the Sovereign Lord, our God and our Father who art in heaven. They addressed the Sovereign Lord as the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They addressed him as the Sovereign Creator they addressed him as the one who spoke by the holy spirit they're praying biblically and they're praying not just to the sovereign lord but his their prayers are literally formed by informed by and inspired by his word they took psalm 2 which the Holy Spirit spoke through David and they used that in the situation that God was doing in them in their lives at this moment they prayed biblically because they addressed him as the Sovereign Lord and they were informed by and inspired by his word and how his word informs what he's doing in the world today It's an incredibly rich, the Bible is an incredibly rich resource for praying. On turning your Bible reading into prayer, I'm reading for myself at the moment through the book of Job. And I can tell you that there are many, many, many heartbroken people in our church family at this time who... The book of Job is helpful in entering into some degree of their heartbreak and therefore to pray so they they were, they prayed biblically they prayed to the sovereign lord they were inspired by his word and what how his word informed what he was doing in the world at their time. And they prayed for courage and power to keep on serving. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And they prayed in Jesus' name. Verse 30. They prayed to the sovereign Lord, inspired by his word, for 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 enabling to carry on, to keep on keeping on, In Jesus' name. So you pray. We pray to God the Father, dependent upon the Spirit-inspired word and his work in us of the Spirit at the moment. In Jesus' name. They prayed for strength to keep on keeping on. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats... And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They want us to stop speaking your word with great boldness. They want us to be scared of them. We don't want to be scared of them. We want you to give us courage to keep on keeping on. And sometimes you just need strength to put one foot in front of another, do you not? Just to keep on keeping on. To keep on trusting. To keep on praising to keep on believing to keep on hoping enable me to keep on trusting you lord enable me to keep on serving you lord enable us to keep on trusting you and serving you lord give me the strength i need to serve you well today lord enable Pray for their salvation. Stretch out, verse 30, stretch out your hand to what? What would you say if we were being attacked and persecuted as a church? Now there are, I, in the Psalms, some Psalms which are called imprecatory Psalms, which means you want God to execute judgment upon them. And that's sometimes a right and biblical way to pray. But that's not what they pray, is it, in this song? Give us, enable us to keep serving you in your strength. Stretch out your hand to strike them. No, don't say that. Stretch out your hand to heal. <laughs> Stretch out your hand to heal. Stretch out your hand to save. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders. Make our enemies your children. <laughs> Stretch out your hand to heal. Stretch out your hand to save. Help me, help us to keep on keeping on, but stretch out your hand, Father, to save those who are opposed to the gospel. And Father, do this all for your glory through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So that they prayed to God is an example to us. How they prayed to God is a model for us. And how God answered their prayers is an encouragement to us. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What do you expect to happen after you prayed, after we pray? And there will be an opportunity if anyone would like to come and be prayed for with the elders and leaders of the church. We'll be meeting after we've met this morning. If anyone would like to come for prayer, we'll be privileged to serve you in that way. I'll be honest, I've never been in a meeting where the rumours shook afterwards. That's not, my, that's not been my experience. And, and I don't think that's the main burden of this text, that we have a room-shaking experience. But, notice what else happened. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When Luke, in, in his Gospel account, takes up Jesus' teaching on prayer, as Luke wrote this passage as well, wrote the book of Acts and the first book of Luke, second book of Luke if you like, Luke and Acts, he draws out Jesus' teaching about the man who had a friend at midnight and went to him persistently and and then he says at the end, how many of you being fathers know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, that's a fascinating thing, isn't it? I think what, what, the, what the Spirit who inspired Luke to write that in Luke's Gospel and, in, and also in this account, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. These were Spirit-filled, Spirit-led believers who needed more of the Holy Spirit to keep on keeping on doing what God had called them to do. What does that tell us about God's answers to prayers? I think it tells us that God is the answer to our prayers. It's not that he gives us stuff in answer to our prayers. He does praise God. He enabled them to speak the word of God boldly because he gave them himself in the person of the Spirit. They were all filled again, afresh, with the Holy Spirit. Because God Himself is the answer to our every prayer. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Let us pray. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our Father David. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Son, our King, the Saviour of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you know what 2019 has meant for each and every one of us in this room. You know what 2020 holds. You know what the next moment, the next 60 seconds holds. You know what the next 60 billion years holds. You are Sovereign Lord, and you are good and kind and wise and loving. Every one of us in this room, Father, has burdens. Some of us are at breaking point. Please stretch out your hand, Father, to heal and perform signs and wonders. Answer our prayers with yourself. Give us, Father, the Holy Spirit afresh, that we may keep on keeping on, loving you, serving you, adoring you. And may we see those who break our hearts, who do not yet know you, Come to know and love and trust. Stretch out your hand to heal and save and bring glory to yourself. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come, people of the